This is Nia Devine, representing Certified Proof Productions. When I'm not painting the city red, I'm always tuned into the Landscurve Show, the spot where it's always kept real. Welcome to another episode of the Landscurve Show. I just want to do a little short, free-flowing rant. I hope this show reaches you in the best of prosperity on all levels and always continue to defend yourself and protect yourself at all times so that you can remain to feel good. I wanted to speak about white women. Now, am I going to say all white women? No, but I'm going to talk about those hashtag Beckys that call police on black people because they fear uh, uh, they fear the black man or the black woman. And they have to meddle in your business because they want to flex on you and let you know that they have power over your life. They want you to know that you have to answer back to them. And you have to answer to them for whatever it is that you are doing. They don't have to know you. And most times they don't know you, but they feel that they have the authority to walk in on whatever you're doing and assess it. And when they don't feel right about it, which is going to be 99% of the time with these types, they're going to call in their male racist backup, the police, to make sure you feel her power. It's about power. How dare you black woman walk with your head tall and proud of yourself. And for many of us, sadly, we're finally beginning to be proud of the way we look, the way we were made, the way we have this thing about us, this spiritual element that they can't get. We're finally getting it. And the more we come to love ourselves is the more that we're going to have these hashtag Becky's meddle in on our lives. If you're talking to another brother or sister, they won't even say, excuse me. They'll just butt in the conversation as though what you're talking about is, is minimal. It has no meaning that when they show up on the scene that you have to stop what you're doing and cater to their needs. It's a lot of subconscious things going on and a lot of subtle things going on. And we have to talk about it. I notice it and I'm not going to be afraid to talk about it. Now, I'm going to continue later on with this particular recording because I have very little time, but I could not, I couldn't resist the temptation to start the conversation off and possibly later on do a live show, meaning a live audio recording since YouTube took away my ability to live stream, but they can't take away my ability to talk to people face to face and you can't stop that, right? But there's a lot of little subtle things that we do as coon black people, which I can't identify that, that lets them know that, okay, I am in power. I remember being on the job many years ago, Home Depot in New York City, and there was a white woman manager. She was a, she was an a assistant manager, but she was like a department manager. And myself and, and about three or four other black men, we were doing something we were, we were down, down stocking a lot of uh, tile and, and heavy, heavy mortar, bags of mortar. And so we had to have this done before the store opened and it was some kind of walk going on with um, the regional managers coming through. And then at the last minute, they spotted that they had to move these things into another place. And they were like, please, 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 could you, could you stay a, little, a couple of hours? We know, you know, you're tired after working all day. Could you please do this? So we said, okay, we'll stay. We didn't eat for a very long time. Our break was way in the middle of the prior shift. And we were four hours into 
this extra time, which we, we had to stay until the job got done. And they said they would allow us to come in later the next day. They should have gave us off. It was hot. It was sweaty. We were sweaty. And so we worked for about two and a half hours without stopping. I mean, this was a workout. And then one of the cherry pickers that we used to go up high, the machinery, it stopped working. And the other areas needed their cherry picker because of this thing. They had similar situations. So we had to use this really tall ladder. And guess who had to go up top? And walked down heavy ceramic tile, 12 by 12. It was about 120 cases. Me! So the other guys had similar duties to do. This was truly the plantation. So when we were finished, we sat there for three minutes. After working two and a half, three hours straight, we were drenched in sweat. And we stopped. And I was leaning on the uh, ladder. Another guy was leaning on one of the posts over there. And we were like, whoa, we got to this point. We did it. We're three quarters of the way done, right? Wouldn't you believe that I forgot her name, but this white uh, department manager walked over to the end of the aisle and she saw us. Now, she wasn't close by. She was way at the end of the aisle and we were in the middle. But she stood there and she looked at us with this expression on her face as though, what are you guys doing? And so nobody else noticed because they had their backs partially turned that way. That's just the way it was. But I was facing them and I saw her. So she's looking at me and put both of her arms up like, what are you guys doing? And I look right back at her and I put both of my arms up like, what do you expect us to do? Start jumping around and work. And I locked eyes with her and she didn't like that. So she walked straight and quiet. The other guys turned around. They were tired. They didn't move, but she looked at me. Now, I don't know if you ever had this experience, but have you ever had an experience with a cat? I don't know how many people here had cats, right? But you're playing around with the cat. You, you, you know, you have your finger moving around. They're trying to get it. And then they wiggle and they get low and they wiggle and they walk in real slow with their eyes on the object. If it's a, your finger or something in your hand and then they jump it. Well, she came straight at me as though every step she took, I'm giving you a chance to coon before you feel the wrath. And so she walked past the other guys, which were right there with me, and stood right at my face. It was like a heavyweight championship pre-fight stare down because I broke the rule of not cooning for her at her very presence when she showed up. Unbelievable. So I'm looking at her. She's looking at me. Did I say anything at that point? No. I didn't have to. My gaze into her eyes, looking at her like I was not going to back down and not cower. If you have something to say to me, you say it. Because we just finished working up here all of these hours. So what do you want us to do? You want to feel like that slave master's wife on the plantation that every time Miss Becky walks through, we have to jump around and smile when we don't mean it? No, I don't like you. I'm here to work and perform a duty. If you speak to me respectfully, you'll get a respectful answer. If you come with that foolishness expecting me to drop down like I'm scared of you, you're not going to get it. So make it official and fire me because I won't coon for you. And she knew. She came to me as though I was the leader, which probably in that scenario, in that case with the personalities that were there, I was. And that's why they have to buck break you. When you are the one who influences unity and strength, 
among your melanated brothers and sisters. They have to come at you. And that was a classic example. So she said, what do you guys think you're doing? I said, we're trying to keep from passing out because we worked for two and a half, three hours without a break after working a whole eight hours. And our lunch break is almost was almost seven hours ago. We are human beings. We are not machines. We have to take a break. So I'm looking at her like, what are you going to say? Well, you should have said something to me. So every time I use the restroom, I have to say something to you also. We are grown men who are capable of gauging our output. We are here to work. You've never had any problem with our work ethic. So why should there be a problem now? So she's, she didn't know what to say. And I threw one at her. I said, don't worry. When we gather, we're not talking about overthrowing your power. Oh, that hit home. So then she said, oh, why are you getting racial? I said, well, you brought the term up. What did I say that was racial? Maybe in your mind it's that way. That's why you brought that up. I said power. But in her mind, it was power over these black men. And this is why they get a thrill when they own these football teams and basketball teams and and, and, and the, the boxers that they manage, these big, strong men who, who might be conscious. I'm not knocking them. But they always have to lord over our power because they're, they're the ones who are insecure. They're the ones who have white extinction anxiety. They know they're not the strongest, but they think they're the smartest. And with these white women who... You know, they, they, they come at you as though you're so, like they have this authority. But you have to remember that historically, when we speak of racism and all of the acts committed and we look at the old shows like Eyes on the Prize, we see white cops beating in the heads of black men. We see white cops and white Klansmen, you know, the white cops shooting the water hose and the Klansmen walking around. Who was feeding these Klansmen when they went home? Who was feeding these police officers that, that went home and talked about how many black skulls they bashed in that day? It was that white woman. So remember, no matter how nice she comes to you, when they are that way, and we have no time to try to figure out who's nice and who's not, because that Colgate smile of a smokescreen is so easy to fool us, and we think, no, she's nice. She's not like the others. We talk about agents. The white woman is an agent for the white man and the white power structure. Never forget that. Unless they can talk to you in a way where you know and they stand up in a way that you know if you want to help us, fine, help us. We're not saying all white women, but we have no time to sit here like, like a postal clerk sorting through mail. This is a good white woman. This is a bad white woman. This is a good white woman. This is a bad white woman. Let me tell you something. They are not going to lose their privilege. They're not going to do anything to lose their privilege. Remember, 53% of white women in America voted for Donald Trump. Excuse my French. But he is the pussy grabber. He is the one who makes fun of handicapped people, Mexican people, black people, immigrants, Latinos. So get up off of your white butt kissing card when it comes to white America because you are not white. But that white woman was there. She was the teacher. She was a teacher to discourage you from going into something higher, but she wanted to push you into something lower. She saw your potential. 
and wanted to nip it in the bud because she knew nine times out of ten, if you had revolutionary-minded parents, that they were going to guide you into strength and into power to come back at her husband and that whole power structure that helps her be Becky. She doesn't want to lose it, so she has to make sure. These were the ones that supported the husbands. So they, they, they are made to go in and infiltrate and act so nice and kind and bring back that information. I had a woman yesterday who got on the bus. She was totally confused. She didn't know where she was going. But she stood there and she interrupted the conversation from the person that was speaking to me, a young black woman who was asking me how to get around. This woman came from outside the bus, stood in the bus. Excuse me. Uh, is this particular bus going to take me to where I have to go? I'm not going to say specifically. And I said, excuse me. I'm engaging in a conversation with a customer who was here prior to you. So please respect that and I'll get to you next. Oh, why did I say that? She was pissed with me. So now she's going to try to play the English game with me and she's going to give me that gaze that I have to break and look down because I violated her power by speaking to her in such a strong manner to other people who are already on the bus. So she's staring me down. So I'm looking right back at her and I said, now I am ready to help you. What is it that you need to know? Well, I need to know. Sorry, I've been waiting here for two hours and the other bus driver passed by me. And she's looking at me like I was the one who was guilty. I said, well, that's on him. You need to find that person out and deal with them accordingly. But how can I help you? Oh, she didn't like that. Well, what you need to tell me is how do I get out of here and so and so and so and so. Well, I told her about the app and the website that's on her smartphone that she could have found a different way. And I explained to her that the bus that she was really looking for didn't even come in that part of the, of the theme park that I was in. So now she felt stupid. Well, why not? I said, that's the way it's always been. I've been here for many years and that's the way it's always been. Well, you need to tell your superiors. My superior? Who's that? Well, your bosses. I said, I don't have a boss, ma'am. There are supervisors here and there's a hierarchy of how things work. But I don't have superiors and I don't have bosses. And I said it looking in her face. Knowing, and she knew good and damn well what type of Negro I was. They don't like that. When you walk like Shaft. Play the Shaft music, people. Who is the man? They don't like that. And they don't like when they see your black sister behind you. Because if your black sister is behind you, the way that they are behind their white men behind closed doors supporting their racist views, it's a war and they know they're going to lose. That's why our unity is unacceptable. But theirs is covert. But when we walk strong and tall together, there's a fear. When they see togetherness in the black community and lots of melanated, like-minded, revolutionary-minded people getting together, they have to rise up on you. And they feel their power slipping. They see that we're rising. They don't want it no more. And they must do it by any means necessary. But I tell you, in every situation, no matter where it is, you stand tall against these Beckys who are coming after you. 53% Voted for Trump. I don't give a damn because that's their system. They're going to do that anyway. But our unity is unacceptable to them. And the more we're unified, it's a litmus test. The more they come at us, 
We know we're winning. Don't believe what they say. Don't believe these statistics that they put out. Show love in the face of your oppressor to your brother and sister and piss them the hell off. We're going to talk later on. Lance Skurve out. Make sure to check out the boldest blog at LanceScurve.com and follow Skurve on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube under Lance Skurve.